This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my hard work and service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with Tony Award-winning animal trainer and author, Bill Berloni. And Bill is known for turning a lot of unlikely dogs into big stars. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Bill Berloni to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All-day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Yuppie Puppy City Kitty provides pet lovers an opportunity to earn up to 50% commission selling our premium pet products. Advocate Gina Brick says, The opportunity to share such a quality product line with other pet lovers is amazing. The support of the Yuppie Puppy City Kitty family while working the business is a true gift. Mention special code PETLIFE when you enroll today and receive three additional products free. Find us at www.ypckpets.com. That's ypckpets.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Bill, and welcome. Hello, how are you? We're great, and we're so thrilled that you're with us today. I'm happy to be here. Well, you've got to start by telling us, Bill, how did you start training rescue dogs for the stage? How did that happen? Well, it was uh, like any great Hollywood story, I was in the right place at the right time. I was a young, young person who in high school wanted to become an actor. And I live here in Connecticut, and instead of spending my summers at the beach, I decided to work in a theater around professional actors, you know, so I could learn as much as I possibly could. And there's a theater here in Connecticut called the Goodspeed Opera House, which is dedicated to the American musical, and they had done new musicals like Man of La Mancha and Shenandoah, so it's it's well known for creating new works and doing revivals. So I applied when I was 18 years old and I was a technical apprentice. I worked backstage and, you know, and uh, so I was part of a professional theater group. And that was the theater that decided to do the very first production of Annie, the musical. And after they decided to do it, they realized there was a dog in the script. And when the producer (laughs) called for trainers out of New York, they were very expensive. And everybody on the paid staff threatened to quit, like the prop people, if they had to train the dog, because that's not their job. So he needed a sucker. And I remember being called into the office 
And the producer saying to me, kid, how would you like a part in one of the shows and your union card? Now, I was 19 years old, and I thought he recognized my acting ability by the way I'd been moving scenery. But the deal was I had to find and train a dog and train it for no money. So I agreed, and people told me they had cheap dogs at the animal shelter. So I went out on a search looking for a medium-sized dog of indistinguishable breed, and I found the original Sandy at the Connecticut Humane Society and adopted him for $7. And I trained him as as I trained my own pets. And the first production of Annie was a terrible. It didn't do well. So I went back to college to study acting, and uh, six months later, they said they were producing the show for Broadway. Would I be interested? And I was 20 and agreed. And Annie opened on Broadway in 1977, and I became a world-famous animal trainer overnight. And I've been doing it ever since. Yep. That is 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 a Hollywood story. Yes, that's awesome. So this is my 40th year anniversary of training rescue animals for, for shows. Wow. Well, so tell us, how do you, how do you identify a dog when you go to a, a shelter to see if, if that dog will really work? What are you looking for, Bill? Well, the good news was I knew what it was like to be on stage. So I knew what was, you know, what the stress was, what the environment was like. And so I realized you would have to have a dog who was a, you know, sort of go with the flow type of dog and friendly mm-hmm. with people and liked working, you know. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, when you go to an animal shelter, it is a very stressful place. Yes. And so we usually pick the dogs that are dealing well with the stress there. Because if they could deal well with that stress, you know, having a private dressing room and a, a loud <laughs> orchestra isn't as bad. So it's right. actually a good testing ground, you know. And, you know, again, people, you know, when you go to a shelter, should don't pick the dog who's screaming to get out. And don't pick the dog who's hiding in the back, you know, unless you're a real good trainer. But if you're a regular person, pick the dog who's just sort of hanging out and dealing with it. That's going to be a good pet for the normal family. So temperament is really probably the most important thing that that you're assessing for. Yes, completely. Looks are secondary to their temperament. Wow. Wow. So when you adopted the first dog to play Annie, how in the world did you go about starting to prepare that dog? And what were some of the experiences that you had with that first one? Well, The original Sandy was an abuse case, and he was afraid of people. And I was an only child who grew up on a farm, and my animals were my best friends. They were my brothers, my sisters. I didn't think of them as my pets. And I don't remember having a lonely childhood because I remember playing animal games. As opposed to trying to make your animals play people games, I learned how to play (laughs) animal games. And so we always had a good time. And I thought, well, if I can make Sandy think the theater is his home and the people are his family and we're having a good time, maybe he would do what he needed to do. And so it really was the innocent beginnings of a positive reinforcement method of training, which, you know, I adhere to to this day. You know, if an animal, we never force an animal to perform or to do anything it doesn't want to do. If it's fearful or whatever, we retire it and we we find it another job or another home. But it's always positive. It's always fun. And that's how I've gotten them to do it eight times a week in front of audiences of two or 3,000 people because we're just out there having fun. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you just create an environment that they want to be in, which, of course, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to have that kind of fun on stage? That sounds awesome. Well, so yeah. what, are, what are some of the things that the dogs do that you train them? I mean, are they just hanging out as part of a family on stage, or, or do you actually teach them to do other things? Well, what was unique about what I did with the original Sandy 
up until Annie, dogs in live theater had only been props. You know, they were either carried on, walked on, you know. Nobody ever thought you could depend on an animal to do the same thing eight times a week. Now, in movies, obviously, we can cut, we can paste, we can edit, and you can create animal characters telling stories, but it was never done in theater. So when I came along as a kid, nobody told me that. So Sandy was the first animal character in a live theatrical event in which the story depended upon. If he didn't do something, the story wouldn't be told. So, you know, I've done Sandy and Annie. I do Toto in The Wizard of Oz. I do Bruiser in Legally Blonde the Musical. So I take, you know, animals and turn them into characters on stage, which sometimes includes hanging out, but most of the times has some behaviors attached to it that tells the audience something about that character and, you know, and the person who owns it. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is the difference um, for animals working on the stage versus animals in the movies. And it does sound like that the stage would be much, much harder. It is much harder from the fact that us as trainers have limited control because we can't walk out on the stage. We're not the ones commanding the dogs. Now, you know, the way I say to people, when we train dogs for movies, we can get them to do 30 to 40 behaviors. The trainers can be behind the camera. We can get the dogs to do it once, catch it on camera, and move on. But on stage, they actually have to listen to other people. So I'm taking actors and teaching them how to be trainers. And in that sort of transition, you know, you lose the amount of behaviors that you can get. So in a theatrical event, we can get between 10 and 20 behaviors as opposed to a movie, which we can double that. So while it's it has to happen every night, which is, again, maintaining that relationship, maintaining that fun is a lot harder. Sometimes the stunts in movies can be very intricate and, you know, require weeks of training as well. Yeah. Well, I know, and, and I, I know how lovey is that sometimes she gets stressed and I have to really pay attention to her stress level, as I'm sure the dogs on stage really could get stressed. And how do you deal with it on stage when, when they don't want to do something or they, they refuse to do something? Because I can tell you, lovey can be pretty stubborn sometimes when she gets tired or feeling like she's overworked. So how do you deal with that? Well, again, you get to the point, like, how do you continue to get them to do it? Yeah. We rest them. Working dogs are on a rest period. They're like Olympic athletes so that when that curtain goes up, they're the happiest. They're ready to go. The variables are both the actors we're working with because if an actor forgets to give the dog a cue, what do I do? It's not, you know, I can't right. control that. Right. Or if an audience member is eating fried chicken in the front row, I mean, that's the other we have to deal with. So we train the actors to do what I call the what ifs. What if the dog doesn't do the behavior? We have a backup plan to get the animal back on track, you know, so we can continue telling the story without stopping the show. Mm-hmm. So it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job when dogs are performing, you know, keeping them up to speed. And then you have understudies going on for actors. You have kids growing too big and a new kid coming in. So it's always reevaluating how to make it fun for the animal. Yeah. And how much time do you spend with the actors to get them prepared to work with an animal? Because if they're not experienced or don't have any handling experience, I can imagine that's challenging. Well, and you would think that when producers were hiring an actor, a lead who has to work with the dog, they would ask them two very important questions. A, do you like dogs? And B, are you allergic? And 20% of the time, people show up and go, no, I don't like dogs or I'm allergic. And somehow it becomes my problem. 
And at that point, I just turn to the producer and go, well, you've just diminished what I can do. Because yeah. why would an animal go to someone who doesn't like them? They won't. Right, so, right. You know, so we have to rewrite the script, and it becomes a big thing. Because, you, you know, those of us, as you know, who are animal lovers, have it in our heart. And you can't teach that in a four-week no. rehearsal period, you know? No, you can't. No. We can start people on a journey, but to get people to then be to the point where they're actually performing with animals, takes a, it takes a good heart more than anything. Because if you really love animals and you're out there, you'll make sure the dog doesn't get hurt and then it's, it's, you're giving the right cues and that sort of stuff. That's why I love working with kids. Kids are the best because it's play to them and they love dogs. You know, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Big personalities are big stars. It becomes a different, <laughs> different thing. <laughs> I can only imagine their temperaments. I'm sure the dogs' temperaments are much better than some of the stars. Are much, mm. much easier to deal with. But yeah, that's because I know how hard it is just for Lovey to listen to someone else because she's so used to listening to me, and that's her focus. But especially someone who is allergic or who's anxious or nervous about being in the presence of an animal. I just and then the stress of being on stage. Wow, yeah. you you do an amazing job, Bill. You're juggling all kinds of different dynamics. Wow. Well, it, being a good trainer is being a good advocate at all times. You know, whether I'm advocating for my performing dogs, um, I'm also the director of animal behavior for the Humane Society of New York in New York City. You know, so we're constantly educating people to think about how to take care of your animal and to protect them. So that's the message. Because if you treat them well and they're happy, as you know, they will go to the ends of the earth for you. They sure will. They sure will. Absolutely. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and continue visiting with Bill Berloni about all of the amazing work that he's doing. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. You think that you're rescuing them, but honestly, they're going to end up rescuing you. You don't know what they've gone through, and they're not going to be perfect. And they are so happy that you are taking a chance on them to be a part of your family I urge you to go down to your local shelters, pounds, dog rescues, foundations, you name it, and rescue a dog. Once you get your rescue dog, you should definitely order some Dinovite. Go online and order it. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dinovite. It's awesome stuff. 90 days of Dinovite will make your dog a happy dog. It will help them with their overall health. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Dinovite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Bill Berloni, who's telling us about the incredible work that he does training animals for both the stage and film. And Bill, you have some exciting news to share with us today about an amazing award that you and your animals just won at the Cannes Film Festival, right? Yes, we just found out a few days ago that there is an award given to the best animal performance called the Palm Award. And my dog, Nelly, won it for a new film uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch called Patterson. So it was her film debut, and um, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's like the Academy Awards for dogs, and so we were it very pleased. It is. Wow, our that's little amazing. Rescue bulldog. Yeah, our little rescue dog won it. Well, that is so wonderful. Another Hollywood story, right? For a little rescue dog. (laughs) Well, and the sad thing was, she was a dog who was in the musical Legally Blonde, the musical. She played Rufus the Bulldog. And she filmed last fall, and she passed away in March from cancer. So the amazing thing was, she's the first dog to win it posthumously, and she's also... (laughs) the first dog to play a transgender role. She played the role of a boy called Marvin. So That is so cool. So she just broke all kinds of records and barriers. That's awesome. And you know what? It's so much fun to have fun with with animals and let people go, you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're a boy or girl or what role you play or, you know. Right, or what age you are. That's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so we're very proud of her. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, what a wonderful way to honor her. That's wonderful. Well, and you have some other exciting news to share about also about a new theatrical piece that's coming out. Do you want to talk about that? Well, yeah, I had been training dogs to play small roles in plays, and they were getting a lot of attention. And I was waiting for someone to do Lassie the musical so I could train a dog to be the star. And my wife finally said to me, let's stop complaining and do it ourselves. So she acquired the rights to a children's book called Because of Winn-Dixie by Kate Camello. It's a very famous book. And it was done as a film. And we have gotten Duncan Sheik, who wrote music for a hit Broadway show called Spring Awakening, to write the music. And Nell Benjamin, who did Legally Blonde, the musical. We've had two out-of-town tryouts and broke box office records. And in January of 2017, we're going to the Alabama Shakespeare Festival for our pre-Broadway tryout of the first theatrical piece to star a dog and a play about the human-animal bond. So we're very excited to be, you know, being able after 40 years to have enough experience to actually produce a piece and, and show the world really what we all know as animal owners, you know, how wonderful it is to have a dog in your life. Oh, that is so great. And I love Because of Winn-Dixie. That is such a wonderful story. And what a great story to be your first production. That's so exciting. Hopefully my first and last production, because producing <laughs> is very stressful, as you, as you know, producing a show. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> we've had to raid our retirement fund and put all our eggs in a dream. And hopefully it's going to come true and, and again, show that wonderful human-animal bond. Yeah, well, I don't see how you can go wrong. I mean, with all of your years of experience and and that, I mean, the human-animal bond telling that story and really bringing that to life on the stage. I mean, I just, I think that's a pretty good investment, Bill. Thank you. Well, what's so great about the theater is that, you know, when we see movies, we know that it's all been filmed. But when people come to the theater, you suspend disbelief. We think, well, they're not really on a boat or they're not really. But when an animal comes out stage, people go, wait a minute, animals 
what are they going to do? And it brings a new reality to the situation. So to see a theatrical event in, in which a dog is playing a dog, doing things that our pets do at home, changing our lives, affecting people's hearts, I think will be a really unique experience to watch, you know, because it's not just watching it and putting it on pause. You'll be part of the story. You will be feeling the story. You'll see the dog do things that, you know, again, you would expect them to do them in your living room, but there, there he is up on stage doing in front of 2000 people. So we're very excited that this could be something really groundbreaking. Wow. It sounds like it. Well, how many dogs do you work with at a time? Are you usually training? Well, currently we have 34 that's a lot and of dogs, Bill. <laughs> it's a lot of dogs, and, and they all live in the house with us. And if you don't believe me, you could watch our TV series on Discovery Family called From Wags to Riches with Bill Perloni, because how could you live with 30 dogs and not have a reality show? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, our house is specially designed, and we have wings, and they're all part of it, and they're all rescue dogs. But, you know, we have dogs who are retired, who have worked, and now are just living living the easy life. We have the dogs who are working and then we have dogs who are in training. We have two full-time people besides my wife and I and eight trainers all around the country. So it's a, each year it grows a little bigger. Wow. Well, that was my question. I was going to ask you how much support you had to help you and if, and if it was all done on location in Connecticut or if you had other sites where you work with dogs like out in California or other, other places, how do you deal with that and traveling with the dogs? Well, our home base is the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. New York and Broadway is where I started. There are so many great trainers out in Hollywood that it doesn't pay for a movie to fly me out there to put me up and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So basically all our work is out of New York City. But when Annie tours the country or the Wizard of Oz tours the country, I'll train the dogs and one of my handlers will travel with them from city to city taking care of them. You know, and when the tour is over, they come home. But most of the training is done here and then usually in a rehearsal room or on site. For example, the last two years we did NBC Live. We did Peter Pan Live and, and The Wiz Live. And those were filmed in New York City. And, you know, we actually rehearsed on the sound stages. So some of the time they start here and then the rehearsal happens right before the production. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Well, as you think about all the performances over your career, which one or two sticks out in your mind as what you're most proud of from one of your dogs? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, well, the original Sandy, the little $7 dog who went on to become the longest running animal on Broadway. He did the show on Broadway for eight years without missing a performance. Changed the course of my life, and that will always be my favorite and my most special memory. And since then, I love doing The Wizard of Oz. I grew up on the movie, and so the story of a girl who runs away from home to save her dog and has an adventure always stuck with me. So creating Toto live on stage is always a fun one to do. And those, those two are the ones that I really like going back to. Right now, I'm working on a production of The Crucible on Broadway, and they asked me to train a wolf. Ooh. And wolves and wolf hybrid dogs are illegal. And so we found a rare breed dog called the Tamaskin, and we borrowed it from a breeder in Seattle, and I had six weeks to train it to play a very ominous-looking wolf on Broadway. I mean, so that's interesting. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. That's really unique. Wow. And I've trained cats for Broadway, and I've trained pigs and sheep and pigeons. Oh, my goodness. 
Wow. I know, and they say cats can't be trained, but I, I disagree with that growing up with cats. What do you think? Oh. Were they hard? When people call me for a trained cat, I say there is no such thing. <laughs> if, you're, if you're willing, and I've done three Broadway shows with cats, it's like, if you're willing to build your whole show around this cat <laughs> and its whim, right, it, right. Might, it might work. And literally, I have to move mountains. Otherwise, I don't take the job because we love cats because they're independent yes, and they're strong-willed yes. and they want yes. what they want. And if I can manipulate the environment to, to justify that, that's art. they're happy. That's, yeah. that's artistry. Yeah, I know my cats look at Lovey when she works for me and they're like, stupid dog. Yeah, I mean, I they, <laughs> well, and I you mentioned you mentioned this a moment ago about that you have some dogs that are retired, and that's always a question that our listeners always want to know: is what happens when the working dog's career is over and they retire? Well, at any given time, we probably have eight or ten dogs working, which means we have a lot of them hanging around, and you know, I will adopt animals for a show and we keep them because I can't imagine adopting a dog, training it, having them work for you and then rehoming it. You know, it's like your usefulness to me is over. Now you're moving you on. But when they retire, they love working. They get very depressed at the, the moment at which I say, okay, you're too arthritic to go out anymore. Yeah. So, you know, we try to, we have a geriatric ward, you know, and we still work them. We still make them think like they've got a job which is so yeah. important with, with your elderly dogs. If they feel like their usefulness is over, they just sort of lay down and die. So we work real hard to give those golden years some meaning. At our farm in the country, we have 90 acres and two acres of it fenced in. So they go out and they still chase birds and they still chase rabbits and, and they, yeah. the older ones discipline the younger ones. And so they still have a job to do. That sounds very similar to the way it is around my house. And Whistle right now is supervising Lovey. But you're so right. They still want to keep working. I know yeah. when I drop something now, I have to then drop it a second time so that Whistle can get it. So, yep. so he can yep. feel good ab about still working. And like you said, that, that is the golden years. Well, tell yep. us. I know our time is almost up. But I, I want you to tell our listeners, how can they follow you, Bill, and find out about when the new play is coming out because of Winn-Dixie. How can they get information? Is it on Facebook or Twitter? What, what do you recommend? All of the above. Our website is theatricalanimals.com, and you could always email us directly. Our Facebook page is Theatrical Animals, so you can follow us on Facebook, and our Twitter account is at Bill Berloni. So, you know, we try to stay as connected as possible. And again, one of the things that I want your listeners to think about, too, a lot of when Discovery family came to me and said, we'd like to film your life, I was like, absolutely, because I have nothing to hide. When you think about the compounds or facilities of other trainers, you don't always get the inside look at how they live. And we want to be transparent. We want people to feel good about what we're doing and be able to see and comment and write us, you know, if they have questions or concerns, because we, again, we don't we want people to know we've tried to do the best we can for the animals we have. So you could always reach out. You could always follow us. But yeah, oh, we're always wonderful. here to answer questions. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, the, for being with us today. And thank you so much for taking rescue dogs and giving them such a wonderful, wonderful Hollywood story and Hollywood ending. That's awesome. Thank you, Bill. Uh, you know, and I always thought that expression, who rescued who, 
is so appropriate for my life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we're so happy for you. Congratulations on the amazing Cannes Film Festival Award. And congratulations. We can't wait to see Because of Winn-Dixie. That's really exciting. And thank you for the chat. I've been waiting so long to speak with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you take care and you'll have to come back and let us know how things are going and tell us more because I know you're going to be involved in a lot more things to come. We will. We will. We've got to keep, keep, we got a lot of mouths to feed here. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and thank you, our listeners, for being with us today. And we love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. And you know, you can contact me and Lovey at Marcy, M A R C. C-I-E at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And read our blog at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.